We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com, and I am joined by Vince Dario, our football analyst at irishbreakdown.com. And Vince, we kind of hit that part of the season, and it just it, it kind of went by slow, and then out of nowhere, bam, uh, the season is less than two weeks away. And what we're going to talk about this week is we're going to do our sort of our final deep dive into the Notre Dame football team and talk about expectations for this team. We're going to make some predictions about this team. We're going to talk about strengths. We're going to talk about concerns. How we're going to roll it out this week is today we are going to talk about the Notre Dame offense. We're going to talk about just what we expect to happen, what needs to happen, what are the areas that we're confident in? What are the areas where we have concerns about? What are the things that could sort of be the kryptonite to this offense? Then we're going to make some fun predictions and, you know, MVP, Rookie of the Year, things like that. We'll do defense tomorrow. And then Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to have some fun. We're going to do bold predictions. So we're going to kind of go out on a limb and say, hey, we're going to make some real bold predictions about how this football team is going to be on offense on Wednesday Defense on Thursday. Friday is going to be a our Friday free-for-all, Friday mailbag. And then we're going to have a special edition on Saturday where we are going to sort of just do a big-picture season overview of not just Notre Dame but college football. You know, We're yep. going to make our playoff predictions. We're going to make our final Notre Dame win-loss predictions. So, you know, it come, it's getting that time, Vince, where we got to kind of put our money where our mouth is, right? And, uh, you know, we've been hyping the team up all year, and then sure. you're going to go seven and five, right? Yeah, right. Uh, right. So, <laughs> but uh, so we're going to make those predictions on Saturday. And then starting Monday, we'll start our in-season content plan. So Vince and I spent about, what, about an hour last night really yeah. hammering that out. We're going to have a show during the season every day of the week. Seven days a Saturday, week. Saturday, Sunday. Well, there may be times on some of those night games where technically we have a early Sunday morning show <laughs> and then a late Sunday show. That's true. But we're real excited about it. We'll dive in more into that on Friday. We'll just kind of give you a, a deeper overview. But that's what this show is going to be about or this week is going to be about. And Vince, I want to start with the Notre Dame offense. Right. Because this is the group to me 
that at the end of the day is going to have the greatest impact on whether or not this Notre Dame football team can just kind of keep being what it's been, which is really good, sure. right? Like 10 and 2 has been the disappointing season recently, right? 10 and 3 is the worst season Notre Dame has had. And that was a year where they beat five ranked opponents, right? That's the down year. Right. Uh, the 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 most disappointing season was 2019, in my opinion, when they went 11 and two. Right. That's the floor of what Notre Dame has been the last four years, which is impressive. But are they going to be able to take that next step? That's the question we all have. Whether sure. This year, next year, whatever. The one thing that we know for sure, Vince, is the group that's going to take this team the group that's going to be responsible for this team going from being really good to a legitimate title contender meaning not just we got there and got smacked but we got there and we could beat anybody is going to be the Notre Dame offense yes I agree with that because look we're, we're all very excited about Marcus Freeman and what he brings to the table for Notre Dame and, and the defense and all of that but I, I still feel you know will the deal defense be better than they were last year maybe you know, uh, statistically, will they be better? Maybe. Um, I, I think that would be great. But the defense isn't the issue. Uh, you know, I, I'm going into this conversation thinking to myself, okay, the defense is the constant right now. Like that's, if we're doing a science experiment, that's our constant, right? And the experiment side is the offense, okay? If the offense just goes out and does what they did last year, number one, I don't know that they have the personnel to do what they did last year in the manner in which they did it last year. And if you listen to Brian Kelly's comments in his press conference recently, you know, he he I was actually kind of surprised with the stance that he took about last year's offense. He said, look, it was a covid year, uh, you know, a year ago right now we had to take a week off. You know, we basically ran this offense to our strengths. We knew we had a good offensive line. We knew we had a quarterback that wasn't going to turn the ball over. We knew we could run the ball. And that's what we did. And we were, and he actually used the words close to the vest, which I thought was interesting. I, I want to address that real quick, yeah. Vince. Can we can we talk about that? Because yeah. I'm I'm so glad you brought that up. So there's two things I want to say about that. Number one, I don't necessarily agree with it because okay. I felt like that was a strategy of making sure that you won your regular season games, but you weren't putting yourself in position to win a title. Sure. Having said that, I also understand it, trying to trying to be take an honest view. Right. So as an as an outsider, I don't like it. I think that there are things they could have done. They could have got some of the young guys ready to go. They could have used Kyron sure. Williams and Chris Tyree as more of a, a combination to get another athlete on the field. They could have used Jordan Johnson more. They could have used Xavier Watts more. They could have thrown the ball to Tommy Trumbull more. There's a lot of they could have gone tempo. Right. Fewer concepts, you know, quick. There's things they could have done besides what they did which was sort of like, a, hey, we know we're better than everybody. We're going to play from here until the end of the season, right, except for Clemson. So this is going to help us win all those games. And I felt like that was the approach they took. Having said that, if I'm trying to be honest and objective and put myself in their shoes, you spent the whole offseason thinking you were going to have Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsey, and you don't have them. You think that you're going to be able to go out there and have a, you know, you, you, at one point you don't know if you're going to have a season. Right. Then you're you have a season, and then your schedule's gone. Then you've got to redo the schedule. Then you have like and, and so looking at it, trying to be objective, I understand why they erred on the side of caution. I just would, to me, it's more of just a continuation of Brian. The one criticism I have, Brian Kelly, is are you willing to take those risks to win it all? But I also, 
am sympathetic to the idea that if he did not trust the young guys, which again, we can agree to disagree on that. But if we just take his mindset on it, I understand why they did that. Hey, look, our, the teams we play stink. Outside of Clemson, the teams we play are not good. We're just going to go out there. We got a great defense. Got a great defensive coordinator. Got a great offensive line. Kyron Williams has broke out. We got big physical ball control receivers. Let's just go win games. And in that regard, it's hard for me to say that I would have necessarily done anything different if the roles were reversed. It's a lot easier for me to sit on this side. Sure, we're on the outside looking in. Yeah. Right. And then to be on that side of it. I will say from his comments, and and I I don't know if this is disagreeing with you or not, but I was surprised that he came out and said that. Which is the exact opposite of what he said last season. Like if he would have said this during the season, I would have been like, Yeah, okay, coach, I understand. You know, but like that's what took me aback was he basically said, Yeah, there's other stuff we kind of wanted to do, but we decided to play it close to the vest. Those are his words, right? And we went conservative. And and he used that word too. Um, which I was like, if somebody would have asked him that question last season, he'd have gotten pissed. He would have gotten so mad. Right. He would have gotten so mad, you know, right. because you're questioning what he's, you know, he would have right. gotten so mad. Um, but he's also the same guy that says, you know, we don't have the skill players. We don't have this. We don't have that. And but now it's almost like he's conceding that they purposely didn't right. go that route. Which we all knew, right? Yeah. I mean, we all knew it. Here's, right. Here's the interesting thing about it, though, Vince, is why is he saying that now? Yeah. If you and I know Brian Kelly like we know Brian Kelly and – you know, some people aren't going to like this, but let's be honest. I've been I've been pretty spot on on my analysis of Ryan Kelly and what he's actually thinking and doing and why he's doing it. <laughs> sure, he's saying that now because he believes the exact opposite about this football team. Uh, absolutely. absolutely, he would not be saying he if he felt they were going to have a similar approach this year, he would not be throwing last year's approach under the bus, so to speak. And that's what he's right? doing. Yes, right now. And again, I, I, that's probably a bad phrase because I don't mean it as if he's doing something wrong. He, he wouldn't be criticizing last year's approach. That's right. a better way because throwing it under yeah. the bus means he's. Well, that was a bad way of saying it. Uh, it's not what I was trying to convey, but like kind of criticizing the approach that they took last year. Rightfully, rightfully took last year. But if he's doing that, it's because that's not what he expects this team to be. And that, to me, is what kind of leads us into yes. the expectations of this football team because if he's saying that about last year's team, he doesn't believe that about this year's team, which is just one more little bit of evidence. And we've had a lot – we've never had a flat out – they've come out and say, hey, listen, here's what we're going to do, right? right. right. They're never going to do that. Right. And but I we've just gotten either. like little yeah. – crumbs uh you know evidence of uh, just throughout this entire thing that makes you say okay what we what we want them to do it may not all be the specifics we want it this way this way this way this way this way they're not necessarily doing all that but it's going to be the same philosophy and that's the big thing which is a more aggressive Mm -hmm. offensive philosophy right you don't say what he said if that's not your objective agree or disagree with that no i agree with that because he also said in that press conference was score more points those that's a quote from him you know we we're going to score more points this year or that's the goal i can't remember the context but he used the word score more points right and he used the word explosiveness and you know all of those different things and i just (laughs) i know he didn't do this okay i know in my brain that this didn't happen like that he wasn't listening to our podcast back in like january and february when you and i were calling for a philosophy change and right. to be more aggressive and all that. But that's exactly what it appears 
as the way things are going to go. And like you said, those breadcrumbs have come from Tommy Reese when when we had that con- when you had that conversation with mm-hmm. him. Uh, it's come from Brian Kelly. It's come in, from in, talking to recruits who yeah. have talked to Tommy Reese. Exactly, it's and from, we're getting it yeah. from a lot of different Practice areas film. where it's not a smoke screen, right? right. You know, right. and and things that I've seen that we can't specifically talk about obviously from practice um but but some of the things that i've seen at practice it's like okay i haven't seen this kind of an emphasis in the past right i mean and so that gets me excited to the degree that this offense is headed in the right direction uh and and so that's that's the thing so again the defense is the constant i have confidence in the defense and we'll talk more about that tomorrow but in this little Notre Dame science experiment. That's the constant. The offense is what is going to make this experiment go. Mm-hmm. And that's the expectation is that this offense is going to be more explosive. They're going to score more points. They're going to be more multiple. They're going to spread the ball around and they're going to test teams vertically, right? With, with horizontal concepts. And we've, we've talked about that as well. So that's my anticipation. That's my expectation is that this offense is going to take that next step, whatever that looks like. Right. Right. Man, I don't because know it can how it can look that. look you yeah. can be a team that scores a ton of points and moves the ball running for 250 right. yards a game you can be a team that does that running for 150 yards right. a game right. for me I still believe at the end of the day this team's going to need balance I've always been a believer in that I'll still be a believer in that I don't want this to look like Washington State under Mike Leach right that's not what we've ever called for I I'm more of a fan of the way Ohio State and Clemson do things on a consistent basis, which requires running the ball effectively and throwing the ball with explosiveness. But it's more of an overall philosophy of we're going to take the fight to you. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the key. Now, there's going to be some. Yeah, yeah. there's going to be some questions about, okay, is that going to work or not? Uh, If they come out in September and have a bad game offensively, is Brian Kelly going to say, "Okay, screw that. We're going back to. And that's those are all things that are legitimate questions. But I. I'm more optimistic. I'll tell you, I'm. I thought the 2000, I thought the 2019 offense had a chance to be really, really good. It didn't really become that till later in the year when the schedule got soft. I thought the 2015 offense had a chance to be really, really good. And again, that's the Malik Zaire, Torian Folston version of it, right? Yeah. Well, they, those yeah, guys yeah, yeah. went down, and it was still really, really good. Sure. This is probably the most excited I've been about an offense since that 2015 team. Because remember, 2015, you had Malik Zaire had just you know played great in the win over LSU in the bowl game the year before. Right. He had taken over that team. You had Torian Folston coming back. His team. They, Right. They moved CJ Procise to running back. Yet Will Fuller was coming off a thousand yard season. Chris Brown had had a quality season the year before. Amir Carlisle had a quality season the year before. And the offensive line was loaded. I mean, we all knew that. We all knew what, what Quentin Nelson was going to be. He didn't play the year before because he was redshirting, but we knew what kind of talent he had. We remember how Mike McGlinchey played in the bowl game over LSU. Right, we knew how right. good Nick Martin was. We knew how good Ronnie Stanley could be. That was a team we were really excited about. And offense and, and this version, I'm I'm I don't want to say I'm equally as excited about because that team had more proven commodities at, in the past game, in my opinion. But I feel like and, and that team had a much better line, right? Than what we think yeah. this line will yeah. be. Yeah. But I'm still about I'm close to being as optimistic about this offense from a talent standpoint. But I think this offense is in better position bigger picture to thrive than that offense because of the structural problems that team had defensive coordinator wise strength conditioning wise lack of depth right, right? and right. then of course the injuries right that that and i look, mean 
I don't injur- anticipate injuries. Notre Dame losing their starting quarterback, starting tailback, starting tight end by the right. before the second game of the year is over. Right, you can't but, anticipate injuries. Right. Obviously, I mean that—that's you know. Because that, could you imagine how good that offense would have been if, if oh. Torian Folson and Malik Zaire don't get hurt? So, but this is as, as excited as I've been since then, and, and I think there are some things this offense has working in its favor that that offense didn't have. Mainly, a really good defense, a much better strength program, and just a healthier program overall. Right. So. I'm excited about what this offense can be, but at the end of the day, it needs to be great. Yes. If this team's going to compete for time, if it's just really good, this is going to be another fun year. It's going to yeah. be a, a 10, 11 win regular season type of year, a, a good post, you know, good bowl game. We're not going to be doing the cheese of bowl. Although Vince, you know, I would love to cover the cheese of bowl. You know, this just for the swag alone, just the swag. I'm like, I just, I have this vision in my head of like walking in and the bed's got cheese. It's all over it. And like every box and flavor, you know, if y'all don't know, I like cheese. It's, uh, but oh, anyway, um, you know, I don't see that kind of being the bowl they get. I see it right. being like a, you know, a new, new Year's year six. six kind of thing. Yeah, right. Sure. If they don't make the playoff. Sure. But sure. if this offense plays to its full potential, I do believe this is a season and we'll get into more of this on Saturday. But right. I do believe this is the kind of season where Notre Dame can can, if not t- if not at the very least, take another big step forward. At most, kick the door down and say we're going to start winning some of these games. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
when well, we're in the postseason. Yeah, and and I think that you know this offense has the chance to kind of change the national narrative for Notre Dame. I mean, everybody, you know, and not not that the national narrative means anything to me personally, but at the same time. You know, we we are always hearing about the lack of team speed. We're hearing about, you know, lack of big plays offensively, you know, from Notre Dame's offense. You know, all of these different things. I feel like this offense has a chance to kind of change and move that momentum, um, you know, nationally for Notre Dame. Look, you and I know what this team can do, and I, and I think a lot of the media that covers this team on a regular basis understands what kind of talent is there on this roster. But I think that nationally that's not really understood and and I and again not that it necessarily matters to me but the 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 national landscape of who this Notre Dame team is I think can change this year with this offense and I and I and I still think that that's important and it's needed yeah it's needed yeah I mean for those who like to talk recruiting this offense taking that step forward is going to be huge yes from a recruiting standpoint right I mean it's you want to get Dante Moore. You want to get Cardinal Tate. You want to get Jalen Brown in 2023. You want to start getting on a regular basis those kind of elite playmakers. Right. Go put a 40 point per game product on the field this year. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's that's the thing, and not not 40 points per game because you scored 70 on Toledo right. and 69 on Purdue and Navy, and then 13 in you know in the postseason. But you're consistent right? against the other teams. You're not putting 12 on the board against Louisville and, right. and things of that right. nature. I mean, you're you're consistently 30 to 37 in those kinds of games. And yeah, put your put your foot on the throat of those younger those other teams, and you put big points on the board. I'm I'm fine with that, right? But you and I have talked about it a million times. Defense will get you to the show. Offense is going to win it. And that's that's the biggest thing. That's what that's the biggest barrier for Notre Dame in the college football playoff. If in fact they get again get back there again, they mm-hmm. have to put points on the board. They have right. to. Otherwise, they're never right. going to win a national championship. And we're right. just we're covering a team that's a lot of fun to watch. And they're there. It's great to have 10, 11 wins, and that's awesome. But they're never going to take that next step. And I, and I think that's why this offense is so important this year and moving forward, right? I mean, this I feel like can be the foundation of what this Notre Dame offense could be for the next few years to come, right? right. And, and I lost my pencil, Vince. I'm struggling over here. Sorry. <laughs> especially with Tommy that. Reese as uh, offensive coordinator. I mean, I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon. He's 28 years old, 29 years old, something along those lines, right? He, he's not going to be a head coach, right, anytime soon. He's going to be the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. And he's building his resume, and he's building what this offense can be. And and that, to me, is exciting. People get excited listening to Marcus Freeman talk. I got excited listening to Tommy Reese talk. I really did. Yeah. Because I think he's headed in the right direction. Because he, he kind of goes full football nerd on us. And, and that's a compliment because I love that. That's, that's me. That's a total right? compliment. Like, ask Vince what I'm like when we start talking X's and O's off the screen, right? Yeah. Right. It's, you know, uh, so when I say full football nerd in in my language, that's a that's about as big of a compliment as I can give you. Yes. Uh, Let's talk about why. So anyone that's been listening to the show for any length of time knows that we've been pretty excited about what this offense can be. Which without really a lot of evidence, hard evidence of that, it's going to be. Yeah. Game evidence. I mean, yeah. Right. Right. So let's dive into some of the reasons why Vince for us that we're excited about this team or, or about the potential mm-hmm. of this unit of this offensive unit. And I think the biggest one is, is the, is the area where Notre Dame is getting the most external criticism 
and that is pass catchers. Yeah. I think this team, barring just multiple bad injuries. And, and mo- like three. Like full, more like, than two. Yes. Right? Like correct. more than two. Correct. Barring I think they can overcome bad, one or two. I right. do. Yeah. Barring multiple bad injuries, I think this group of pass catchers is going to be Notre Dame's best top to bottom. Now, there's no Will Fuller on this group, right? If Kevin Austin plays to his full potential this year, he ain't Will Fuller 2015, right? Do you agree or disagree mm-hmm. with that? Okay. I Having think he might said, be more well-rounded than Will Fuller, but he's not going to be the game dynamic, breaker. taking right. over a game, just right. wrecking a defense. He's sure. more Michael Floyd than he is Will Fuller yeah, from, a, that's fair. from a style of play standpoint. But that's fair. Will Fuller's going to strike more fear into a defense than Michael Floyd is, right? In my opinion. But Top to bottom, this has a chance to be a really dynamic special group of pass catchers because what I don't think people are taking enough credit in, account into is, number one, the pass game production that we're going to see from the running backs. Number two, I think Michael Mayer, for some crazy reason, how a tight end at Notre Dame who was a five-star, who had 42 flipping catches as a true freshman, which I believe was mo- most amongst all freshmen tight ends last year, how that guy is not getting credit is beyond me. Yeah. I mean, pro football focus, which has just turned into such garbage when it comes to their analysis, like their data collection, great still, but their grades and analysis, garbage. They had, they, they listed 11 tight ends to look, look for this year, did not have Michael Mayer, had Eric Gilbert in the Hilarious. top five, right? Eric Gilbert, who's Hilarious. transferred three to three different schools this year and is now off the team at Georgia. And I'm not making light of his situation. I know that young man's got some stuff going on, but he transferred from LSU to Florida, then back to LSU, then to Georgia. And now he's off Georgia's team in one offseason. And yet wow. that guy was projected to be ahead of Michael Mayer when at the time, I don't believe he had even picked the team yet. And, and so I look at this and I'm just like, I, I don't get it. I don't know how a tight end from Notre Dame can be overlooked, but Michael Mayer is getting overlooked. And, and then you look at the receivers. And I think that's going to be the interesting part of this. It reminds me a lot of the 2014 season. Do you remember 2014, Vince, was the year that Notre Dame was coming into the season. They had just lost uh, TJ Jones, was gone. Troy Nicholas was off to the NFL. And DeVars Daniels had gotten kicked off the team, if I you remember, remember that. from that previous year. Yeah. And there was a lot of questions. So you lose DeVaris Daniels, you lose Troy TJ Jones, you lose Troy Nicholas. Your top returning pass catcher that that from that team was Chris Brown, who had 15 catches for 209 yards the year before. And then they come out in 2014, and that pass offense was really good that year. Will Fuller had a breakout year over a thousand yards. You know, Chris Brown went from 19 for what two, what did I say? Like 20, what was it, 206, 215 for 209 goes 39 for 548. Corey Robinson has 40 catches for 539 yards. C.J. Prosize has 29 catches for 516 yards. Amir Carla has 23 catches for 309 yards. And and it just it became a really dynamic group of pass catchers. And we saw what they did to Florida State, the defending champs. I mean, they couldn't cover Corey Robinson. They couldn't cover Will Fuller. I mean, right. Notre Dame just put in work on him that day. And if it wasn't for the defense, they they would have won that game. And so I see a similar situation now where, okay, yeah, these guys are gone, but all that does, Javon McKinley's gone, Ben Skoranek's gone, my, uh, Tommy Tremble's gone, Brock Wright's gone. All that is done is finally create an opening for the players we've been complaining about we want to see more of. They don't have a choice. Years. Those, those players are playing. Well, they're veterans now. I mean, yeah, exactly. So they're, they're in the accepted category with the receivers coach. So 
you know, you look at Kevin Austin, you look at Braden Lindsay, you look at Lawrence Keys, you look at Avery Davis, you look at Joe Wilkins, you look at Lawrence, Ke- uh, excuse me, Xavier Watts, you look at Deion Colsey, Lorenzo Styles. I mean, this is a loaded group of receivers. Yeah, that doesn't have to carry the load like last receiving cores have done. Receiving cores have done because of Michael Mayer, because of Kyron Williams, because of Chris Tyree, and I think that's the thing for me that I'm most optimistic about is. I, I think this there's a lot more skill talent mm-hmm. in the game than people give this group credit for. Well, and I and I want to talk a little bit about the depth there as well, Brian, because I think w- one of the receivers who was getting interviewed, and I, I it might have been Braden Lindsay, but he said, you know, we, we're going to be five deep, you know, something along those lines, right? Um, but yeah, five deep is great because it's two more deep that they were going in the past, uh, but. They could very easily, in my opinion, go seven deep, I think, uh, maybe even eight and be okay. And I think those guys would be able to morph into this offense. And I think, would it be as dynamic as if you lost some of those top end guys? You know, maybe not. But at the same time, I feel like they could be good enough to and 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 develop and get better as the season goes on as well, mm-hmm. right? Because we're talking about, you know, a couple of freshmen in Styles and Colsey that would be included to in your that point, group. They're, they're, what, nine deep? So Austin, Lindsey, Keys, Davis, Wilkins, uh, Watts, Styles, Colsey, Jaden Thomas. Okay. Jaden's been banged up. He needs yeah. – that's an eight deep. They're yeah, that's eight, eight deep for receiver. Now, what he's referring to is the rotation. Yes. He's returned – they're going to be five deep in the right. rotation. Right, and I think they could be even deeper in the but rotation. To your point – well – if they Although it, it, it can get a little challenging, sure, and working I get that in too. six, seven, eight guys, right? I get so that. It just, I've, I've, I've tried that before, and it can work, but it's a yeah. little challenging. Sure, uh, I'd be fine with it, but you can't go past six. I mean, that's just that's Agreed. too much. Yeah, I agree. The, the point being, however, is that that's where that thing that you talked about earlier they can sustain an injury or two. Yes, because of the depth at the position. Correct, and and that's the and also it doesn't even account that you can use Chris Tyree in the slot, you can use Kyron Williams in the slot, you can go twelve personnel and still be able to throw the football. I think that's the thing for me, and so then it gets into okay, the 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 pass catchers are there, right? The type of athlete that Brian Kelly said in twenty eighteen and said last year wasn't there is it's there now, right? I mean, it is. So now it's kind of like, well, there's there's no excuses now. And and the good news is, is I don't think they're going to – at least Tommy Reese isn't going to make them. I think there's a lot of excitement about what this group of pass catchers can do. Sure. Uh, there's a lot of excitement, honestly, where some of the most excitement that I've heard from sources has come from are people on the defensive side at Notre Dame. Because I feel like they're saying, like, oh, we're going to actually have a really good offense this year. Right. Like, so the that, that's not the completely and like. Yeah. Yeah, right. it usually like, man, the offense is kicking our butt. And it's like, the offense is kicking our butt, you know? Yeah, right. It's excitement because now it's like, okay, we don't have to carry this load all the time. Exactly. And I think that's where a lot of the excitement comes from is there's a lot of skill. And and the reality is, is the advent of RPOs and moving the pocket in the modern game has somewhat negated the need for an elite offensive line if you're going to run the right kind of offense. You Correct. Can, you can protect an offensive line that's not great, better now than you could have 10 15 years ago agreed absolutely yeah, agreed. that's just the reality yeah so so that's kind of that's the thing that excites me vince and and just the we talked about the eight receivers we didn't even get into the tight end position and we didn't talk about sure. running backs and 
you know, Notre Dame is 12 to 13, 14 deep of just legitimate playmakers on this football team. Absolutely. And, and look, that, and that's so we said eight receivers, right? I'd say four running backs, right? Although I, I still think Sebo is more of a hammer, but I look at Kyron yeah. and Tyree and Logan Diggs, I'm very high on Michael Mayer, George Takis, Kane Barong, or excuse me, um, Kevin Bauman. Then came Barong. I mean, I just added seven more players to that eight, right? That's 15 right. deep of guys that could could help you in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Right. To get to the 15th guy in past years, it would have been a guy like, yeah, you ain't winning with that guy. Sure. Sure. Just- well, I, let me let me make a quick point here. Um, look, I've, I've been, and I know people aren't going to want to hear this, I've actually been very impressed with what Matt Salerno has done when he gets in at wide receiver. And, oh. and, and here's what I'm saying. You got to follow me here. Okay. In the past, Matt Salerno was getting reps. Okay? Yeah, that's okay. And I see where you're going. That's okay. the point I was trying I thought to you were going to go somewhere else. No. Not that long ago. During right. this stretch of Notre Dame football, this good stretch that, of Notre Dame football, Matt Salerno. And that's the burn. point I'm making. They are so deep now at wide receiver, he's not sniffing the field offensively. Now, right. he still may be the punt returner, but he's not sniffing the field offensively. And look, he's made plays right. at practice. He's been making some plays, right? right. But he's still 10th maybe right. uh, at wide receiver and so that that's the the depth that this team has right now that 29 is going to be on the sidelines unless yeah. it's a fourth down. you scared me a little bit i thought you're going to go in a different direction with that one i was about to, okay <laughs> what who who got to you vince <laughs> who got to you hey man i'm a teacher i need that extra coin in my- <laughs> <laughs> so uh, those are some of when you talk about the strengths of this team i, I think uh, that what comes comes down to but at the end here, here's the deal though all that's great, and all that can get you to ten and two. Sure, to truly compete for a championship, it's about the trigger man, and, and ultimately, how this team is going to succeed this year. Ultimately, more than the schematic change, the philosophy change, all that. The biggest thing is going to be: Are we right or wrong about Jack Cohn? Right. That ultimately is what. That's what it comes down to. Because look, if if Jack Cohn isn't who you and I think he is, it doesn't matter how deep you are at wide receiver. Because they're not getting the ball, you know, mm-hmm. or they're at least not getting the ball in a manner in which they can go make plays and they can, you know, reach their ceiling of what we think that they can be, right? So the, the quarterback has to be who we think he is mm-hmm. in order for this offense to take off. Because if he's, if he is, you know, a guy who's not willing to spread the ball around, if he's a guy who's not willing to stretch the field, well, now the dynamic guys that you have in the backfield as well aren't going to be as dynamic because now they're, the box is going to be loaded and, and we're going to see repeats of history, right? Which we don't think is the case, but it all kind of comes down to the shoulders of number 17. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if, if if for whatever reason he's not who we think he is, then this mm-hmm. offense is not going to be what we think it is. Yeah. Bottom line. Yes, 100%. And then there's no way around that. And do I think Notre Dame can win with Drew with Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner? Yes. Yeah. In 2021, do I think they can win at the same level as they could with Jack Cohn playing to his full potential? No, I don't. I think Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner could lead this team to 10 and 2 in 2021. Now, 2022, different story because they're going to have a, a year under their belt and all that kind of stuff. Sure, right? we're, but we're not talking about that. I mean, we're talking about 2021. Yes. And yes. to me, Jack Cohn gives this team a chance to legitimately compete. Now, am I expecting a Joe Burrow breakout? No. We're not. We're not saying it's a different offense. He doesn't have three first. As good as the receivers are, there's not three first-round draft picks a receiver. There's, right. At least I don't see them. And and, and so it, there's definitely not in for this year. 
right? Because you can say, right. well, you know, maybe Deion Cole is he stopped, but they're not going to play like first round draft picks in 2021. That's my point. Yeah, exactly. And, and so it, it's not going to be, but they don't have to score 49 and a half points per game like LSU did. They just need to score more than what they've been by by about a touchdown. If sure, they can just get a touchdown yes. better. And so then it gets down into, okay, so let's talk about some of the things that we need to see from this offense to to be successful. And not so much like, so we've talked big picture, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked about being more aggressive and those kind of things. But I think there's also some specifics, Vince, that they have to be better at. Number one is you got to continue doing what you do in certain areas. So last year, the third down offense was tremendous. It was yes. Notre Dame's highest rank. They finished seventh in the country in third down. It, it, if you want to kind of say, okay, if we're evaluating Tommy Reese, things he did well, things he didn't do as well in his first year, his third down package on a consistent basis was excellent. Even against Clemson in the in the in the, in the postseason and against Alabama, right. you and I have talked about this. There were plays to be made on third down against Alabama. The quarterback didn't make them, but the play calls were there. The scheme was there. He had Avery Davis was a great third down weapon. Michael Mayer was a great third down weapon for Tommy Reese schematically they did some really good things and he kind of explained it a little bit in our in, in the interview we did with him where he talked about how they got a little bit more like they had a legitimate third to expand a third down package that's got to continue yep that is a big part of of what you have to do you know continue feeding the running backs now it may look a little different this year right it may not be run 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 it may be more moving it around, spread, throwing it and running it, enhanced screen game, whatever the case may be, you got to keep feeding the running backs. And then the thing that they got to do better this year is to me, on top of being a more explosive unit, right? So you have to figure out ways schematically and, and then the players have to execute to create more big plays because you can't nickel and dime people all, all day. Is if you can create a, in a more explosive offense with an efficient offense, that's hard to stop, Vince. It really is. And yes. that's where you got to keep doing what you're doing along with. Because what happened in 2017 is that 2017 offense, excuse me, was incredibly explosive, more so than 2015, in my opinion. Because they could go for 80 anywhere with the run game. And and they could do the pass. And you had a quarterback that could do it. The problem is is an incredibly inefficient offense. Sure. So this offense has to combine the explosiveness, which I think it can be it can be that, but it also has to be more efficient than what the 15 and because the 15 offense was was the 15 offense was not efficient in the in the run in the run game at times, or, you know, and the 2017 offense wasn't efficient in the pass game at times, and, and neither really reached its full potential. This unit has to be both. It has to be efficient and explosive for it to really take its its full shape. And that's not always an easy thing to do. But that right. ultimately is what separates LSU and Clemson and Ohio State and Alabama from everybody else. It's not just the explosiveness. It's that they're great on first down. They're great on third down. And if you give them a chance, they're going to make, make big plays. But look, Alabama didn't have a ton of big plays against Notre Dame that came from deep shots. It was all after the catch stuff. Yes. And that's, that's exactly something right. we need to see more of from this offense this year as well. Yeah, and that, and that's that's scheme based. I mean, that's that's getting the ball into the guys' hands who you know can make plays with the ball, right? I mean, it was, you know, they 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 put their best player in motion and he got a head start on the man-to-man defense that that Notre Dame was employing at certain points, right? I mean, that's that's all in the scheme and that's knowing the players that you have, etc. Uh but another spot that 
Notre Dame has been good at in the past, but they were not good at last year is the red zone, right? And we know from talking to Coach Reese that the red zone is an area that they're focusing on because they understand that their offensive efficiency goes way back up to where it needs to be if they are efficient in the red zone. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and that's going to be an area where in the past ne- I never really had to worry about it. It's like, oh, man, they're in the red zone it's probably going to be a touchdown, right? I mean, that they were so efficient in the red zone, it seemed like in the rec- in recent history, that was never an area that I was worried about. And then last year, it was like all of a sudden, they couldn't score. I mean, it, it was field goals if you're lucky, you know, touchdown every now and again, but their red zone offense was just not very good. And the weapons that they have now, the efficiency that I believe that they will have, I think will translate into more success in the red zone and mm-hmm. and and look right there you, you that's can the final your, piece of the puzzle that's the absolutely so the final to, piece of the puzzle yeah. i'm gonna let you finish your point vince but just if you take last year's offense as conservative and dull as it was now again keep in mind part of the context is pretty weak schedule mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but if last year's offense what had the same red zone success that notre dame had in 2017 and 2019 They'd average just on the number of trips they had. So just same number of red zone trips that they had last year, not more. So not getting into the red zone as much as they did in past years, just having the same level of success that they had in past years. When they got they in. They averaged yeah. 38 points a game. Right. Last year. Last right. year. Now, again, part of that's bad schedule, but that's two points better than they've been at any point in time of Brian Kelly's tenure. Yeah. Without right. playmakers, playing conservative football, all that kind of stuff. So I, I I believe this group has a chance to to be dynamic, but if at the end of the day to to score the points to win the big games, because look, you can rip off. I, I'm, they, they, I remember against like New Mexico scored sixty six points. He had a pick six in that game, if you remember. But like they had like they had a jet sweep to Avery Davis who went for like sixty. I think Chris Fink had a long score that game. Javon McKinley caught a little three yard crossing route, broke seventy three tackles. You know. You're not doing that against Bama, though. You're not exactly. doing that against Clemson, Ohio State. You know, not like you can maybe get one or two, but you're not going you you know, to, you know, for 20, efficient, 30 yeah. yards. But you're not going 80, right? You have, you, you need to make your big plays, but you've got to, you got to move the ball on third down. You've got to, when you get in the red zone, you got to score touchdowns. And look, if Correct. Notre Dame would have gone two for three in the red zone touchdowns, and you know, first of all, you should always get points in the red zone. There's no excuse never to not oh, get points. Absolutely. If Notre Dame would have only gone two for three in the red zone against Clemson uh, in in the first half of that game, they, they score 17 points in the first half of that game. I mean, they got in the red zone their first, I believe their first two drives of that game. They got into, they got into Clemson territory, their first three drives of that game against Clemson should have had at least, at least 13 points, if not 17 on the board. Those are the things you have to do in the bigger games. That's yes. the key. It's the yes. bigger games. You've got to do that. Yes. Now, let's talk about what could be the holdups. The, and we kind of hinted about – we kind of talked about one. If if Jack, And we'll get into this. Well, you probably be gone by then, but I'll get into some – there's some some negativity and complaining going on in the uh, the chat right now, <laughs> sure which there is, is frustrating me a little bit. But, uh, look, he, here's the deal. If, if Jack Cohn's not as good – and I don't mean like, you know, he's not quite as good, but like if he's just not good like we sure. think he is – that's going to hurt the offense. And then the other thing is massive injuries. Mm-hmm. But the final piece is the offensive line. That's yes. still, to me, the one big question mark that I have about this offense going into the season. And I have to say, I haven't gotten more confident by watching practice. 
And I'm being honest because now do I I think this offensive line could be, you know, good enough? Yeah, I do. I just I haven't been reassured in my question marks of Kane Madden, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just haven't been. I haven't necessarily been uh, assured if there's an injury to one of the starting five that they're going to be okay, right, with with whoever the backup happens to be. Um, I I am confident. Here's what I'm confident with the offensive line. I'll start. I'll, I'll start positive, right? I'm confident in Jarrett Patterson. I think he's going to be great. I, and, and I know I'm really going out on a limb here. I'm confident in Josh Lugg. I, I have been very impressed with what I have seen from Josh Lugg at practice. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a mauler. I think he's been. I think he has been really, really good in practice that I have seen. Uh, the, the little neck injury that he had last Thursday, I think that's just a little bump in the road. I think he'll be just fine. If they had a game to play, I think he would play it. I think they were just you know being safe, if you will. So I, I'm fine with that. I think Blake Fisher is going to make some freshman mistakes, but I think he's going to be just fine. Uh, watching him on Thursday, he's a house. I mean, g- going through a house is very difficult. Going around a house is very, very difficult. Um, do I expect him to be perfect? Do I expect him to be an All-American? N- no, not his freshman year. I don't. But I think he's going to be very difficult to you know defeat on a regular basis. So I'm, I'm very confident in, in what he can do, right? I like Zeke Carell. I think that there's a learning curve moving over to guard. I do. And I think there's going to be some growing pains there as well. Uh, but I think eventually he'll be okay. So my biggest issue right now is is Kane Madden. And I know he's getting a lot of preseason love from some people and things of that nature, but I haven't seen it yet. Right. And he, if- he was again named a first-team preseason All-American by the AP today. Which – Man, okay. If I mean, they're that, right. I'm telling you, if they're yeah. right, this team is going to be really flipping good. Yes, they are really no flipping good. But I really hope that it's that that Jason Adamiola and Riley Mills are just just which freak stars. It, it, it could be, which could be, it could which be, could be. I, yeah. That's not that that is not out of the realm of possibility. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of worried about worried. both guards guard spots. Okay, and that's fair. I am too. I, I am. Too. I am. I I still think Zeke Carell's got to play better and more consistent. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm a little bit more concerned about interior is because I believe the greatest threat to an offense is right up the middle. Yes. If you get beat right up the middle, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to have a good offense. The only way you can do that is if the other side of the ball just isn't good and you're just getting on the perimeter and making a bunch of plays. That that to me would be the the, the big the big concern for me is that group. Mm-hmm. That group not playing it to its potential is, is the is the bigger threat for me than really anything else. And and like you said, Josh Lugg's going to be fine. Blake mm-hmm. Fisher's going to be fine. He's going to play like a, a an incredibly talented freshman. So yeah. he's going to play like, right? right. Means he's going to have some mistakes and you know, but but that that that's going to happen. I can yes. dig that. What they have to do, however, is they have to be good up the middle. I mean, you've got mm-hmm. three veteran players, you have to be good up the middle. And right now that's my biggest concern. Now I think one thing that's going to to some of those like I know Rocco Spindler everybody's high on him. Again, I, I I'm not I'm I'm not. Have we ever seen two freshmen playing side by side on a team right. that competed for a championship? That's I, what, I, I don't know if we have. Right. I don't think John Dirksen is necessarily the answer. Kristoffic maybe. Okay. But that's the thing is it's look it's it's about Zeke Carell and Kane Madden playing yes. to their you know playing playing good football. They don't have to be great. Just be. Here's the thing that uh, this is what we talked about earlier. 
you do not need last year's offensive line or the 2017 offensive line or the 2015 offensive line or the 2012 offensive line to compete for a championship. Clemson has never had an offensive line that could sniff any of those teams. Never. The 2016 Clemson offensive line couldn't hold a Notre Dame 2017 or 2015 offensive lines jockstrap. Just couldn't do it. <laughs> right. It couldn't hold last year's offensive lines jockstrap. It just right. it's not even close. The 2018 right. Clemson offensive line was a good veteran solid group that looked a lot more like Notre Dame's 2018 offensive line and 2016 offensive line than it did Notre Dame's 15 or 17 or 20 offensive lines. But because of the way that they play offense, what those kids at Clemson were really good at is just do your job. Right. Just right. don't get beat. Do your job. Now that doesn't mean catching. You got to play with some aggressiveness and all that, but like they were tough kids at Clemson and they were fundamentally sound. And that's what hurt Clemson last year. They actually had a lot more highly ranked recruits on last year's offensive line, but they weren't as good because they didn't play as a unit. Right. I think COVID really hurt that line last year. They because they lost a lot of starters. They couldn't gel. They couldn't be, you know, become cohesive. And I think that hurt that line. But that it was it was from a ranking standpoint, if you're into that type of thing, it was one of their better lines that they've had. But they weren't good. Sure. And, and and there was a lot of mistakes. They got beat a lot. Well, the 2016 and 2018 offensive lines just flat out just didn't get beat. They didn't dominate. They just didn't get beat. And that's all this line has to do. Just do Correct. your – just execute, right? Just do your job. I'm not asking for a bunch of Quentin right. Nelsons. Like, that's that's not what right. I'm – is that what I would – yeah, that's sure. great. You give me five but, Quinn Nelsons, I'd love that. I'm not going to say yeah. no. Right. But, but it's that's not, not what needed. this – Yeah, exactly. Right. And I think that's important for people to understand. It, yeah. Th this offensive philosophy this year is not going to be just pounded up the middle. And, you know, that that's not who they're if going they to be. If they can do that effectively, this team will, will score oh, well over 40 points a game. I if agree. If they can come out and establish dominance in the run game. Yeah. And I'm not talking about against Toledo. I'm talking about against right. teams that, that are good. If they can come out and run the ball between the tackles against Wisconsin, they will blow Wisconsin out of the water. Right. Because if you have to force teams to, to, to defend that, I'm not even expecting that, Vince. I'm just saying just do your job. Just execute. Let Kyron Williams do his thing. Let Chris Tyree do his thing. Give Jack Cohn time to get the ball out to the perimeter. If you can just do that, just be, just be, just be assignment correct and tough. That's it. You don't have to be a great player to do that. Clemson's Correct. had guys go undrafted that did that on teams that won a lot. They've had fourth, fifth, sixth-round draft picks on teams that have won a lot. So to me, it's not about dominate. It's do your job and do it aggressively. If the line can do that, they will play their role. If they're not doing that, that's when this offense could get in trouble because this is not an offense or really any offense, really. You don't want to be playing behind the chains the whole time, meaning you're giving right. up sacks on first and second down, right. or you're giving up minus threes in the run game, or you're letting run throughs and the quarterback's running for his life. And the, you got to be on schedule because that's where a lot of the big plays come from. Hey, it's it's second and two. We can take a shot here. It's third and one. We can take a shot here knowing we're at midfield. We know we can get one yard on the next play. But that's only if the offensive line is playing to its potential. That's right. going to be the key for Notre Dame. Yeah, and and you know, I would be great. It would be great if they they blew me away and and they they played even better than I thought. Like you said, if they they become this mauling offensive line where they can establish things in the trenches, I don't know where the ceiling is for this team. Mm -hmm. I don't think they have a ceiling. I think they're driving a convertible, right? I, I just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. how I feel about this offensive line. But they don't need to be that for this right. team to be good. They don't. Right. 
They just have to not allow all that pressure up the middle. Right. And that's what worries me at the moment. And so we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens. But that's a it's a it's a genuine concern. Look, me. if we're being fair, Vince, you don't lose four starters. And, and let's be honest, sure. if Tommy Kramer has better medicals, he's getting drafted. Yes. Oh, yes. Now, he'd have been a fifth, sixth, seventh round draft, but he would have got picked. You don't lose four starting offensive linemen to the NFL, three that were taken in the first three rounds, and come out the next year and be as good. Sure. Anyone that would say that they expect that is, is is in my opinion, either has unfair expectations or they're setting it up to allow them to hammer Jeff Quinn when they don't play that level. Right. And that's not what – so that's not what works. It doesn't have to be as good as last year's group. And that's the point we're making. Yes. That that the skill, talent, the the, the scheme can protect a line that isn't dominant. is but, but it cannot protect a line that isn't assignment correct on a consistent basis. You can't protect that. You can't. You can't have a play call for if the left guard gets whooped all game or the right guard right. gets whooped all game. There's right. no call for that. Right. The call is, let's just hope it's happening against a team that stinks. That, that's the call uh, in, in that point in time, Vince. So uh, we got a super Ooh. chat down here nice. I want to get to. Uh, here, here, and so this is actually – this is going to set us up perfectly because we're going to get into sort of our offensive predictions oh, yeah, here right. in the final yes. 10 minutes before – uh, we 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 get into this, but G. Rob Connolly, that's my man, Rob. Uh, who has a bigger year, Card Williams or Chris Tyree? Let's get another Navy versus Notre Dame in San Diego. <laughs> so yeah, so I, that's when I actually met Rob was at the Notre Dame game in San Diego a couple years ago. So no kidding. Um, yep, yep. He, awesome. He's out there. Uh, him and his family live out there. Who has the bigger year? To me, it's going to be Kyron Williams, barring mm -hmm. injury. He'll have mm -hmm. the more productive year. I will say this: I think Chris Tyree needs the bigger jump. I think there's more pressure on Chris Tyree, in my opinion, than there's on Kyron. Kyron can just repeat what he did last year, and he's a second-team All-American, right? Uh, what Notre Dame needs is they need Chris Tyree to take that jump to then take some of that pressure off Kyron. Yes. So Kyron's the better – is going to be the more productive player. He's older. He's a little bit more versatile right now. Chris is still a year away from really being that go-to guy. But I think Chris needs to take – he needs to be more efficient with his technique. He needs to be better, more decisive with his reads. He needs to be a little bit more uh, – you know, he's going to have that a year, another year in the weight room and all that kind of stuff. I think Chris has – is Chris is more important – Chris's jump and success is more important than Kyron making a jump. Hmm. If Kyron simply repeats what he did last year and Chris steps up and plays to his ability, this is going to be a dynamic backfield. If Kyron takes a step up but Chris doesn't, I don't think they're going to be quite as good in, at running back. That's in a good way opinion. to put it. That's a good way to put it. I, I yeah, I, I think a lot of people are going to be talking about Chris Tyree, uh, but I still think Kyron Williams is going to have the bigger year, and that mm -hmm. that kind of leads at least me into. You said you wanted to give out some awards, yeah. and by the way, Rob, thank you for that. That yes, super very very much. I Rob. said it, so I want I to say thank you. I didn't. I'm I, um, in my head, Rob. I thought it. <laughs> I thought it. I did. Yeah. Right. Uh, but thank you for the support, my man. Very I appreciate much. it very much. Very much. Um, but the first one's MVP, right? Offensive MVP. Yeah. So let's. That's yeah. Kyron Williams for me. I I, I really think that he's going to be the offensive MVP. I I just he's going to be so versatile, and I think his step up in the pass game is going to be huge. Um, I think he's going to be, you know, it. The way they pick MVP at Notre Dame, you know what? Scratch that. I'm talking about my MVP, who I would pick. For, yeah, for this, MVP, that's okay? what it is. It's our not production. Notre Dame's. Right. Um, I was going to say the way Notre Dame picks it, they also go with a leader and blah, blah, blah. But that would only back up yeah. my argument because Kyron is that leader. I think it's going to be. Right? But I, from a statistical standpoint, from a – 
from all of that, um, I, I love it. I, I, I think Kyron Williams was the MVP. I, I'm going to have a hard time disagreeing with you on that. <laughs> uh, and, and also, look, it's not just about production, but he brings so much to the table from a versatility standpoint. He can impact the game in so many different ways. But I also think he's the emotional heart and soul of this offense. I mean, just just the way he goes about his business every day, it's, it's kind of hard to pick against that one. Right. Might there be a guy that's maybe – Defenses are fear more, you know. Maybe if Kevin Austin, Kevin or Austin would be my second. Michael choice. Mayer, yeah. you know, maybe Mike, yeah, Michael Mayer is probably is there, to me their most talented player. Kevin Austin yeah. is probably second. Yeah, there's probably three or four guys that I'd say yeah, that guy's probably a little bit more talented, just pure talent. But what makes Kyron so good is not just talent; it's it's all the intelligence and tangibles, versatility, attitude, fire, passion, all that. It, it's going to make it hard for him to to me not be that guy, right? And especially the. It's hard for me sometimes to pick a running back as the MVP because they're dependent on so many other guys. But he does so much pass blocking, catching, all that, that I think he deserves to be there. So what's the next one, Vince? So the next one would be – let me pull it up here. I think this uh, is going to be back. You yeah. want to go bounce back? Yeah, let's go bounce back player. It has to be Josh Lug. It, it's to me – now, again, you could look, to look at this two ways. You could look at it as like you know bouncing back from an injury – that would be, you know, either Austin or, or Lindsay. You could you, you could go that way if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. I'm going bounce back from subpar play. I think moving inside hurt Josh Lug last year. He did not play well when he got thrust in the lineup. He did not play nearly as well as he did in 2019 when he got thrust in the lineup at tackle. He needs to bounce back and be the guy that that we think he can be. He because he can be if if Josh Lug, one of the veterans of the offensive line, doesn't play well, that's going to hurt the line a lot. Right. And I think he needs he's he's my pick to have a bounce back here. I think he's going to be a steady presence on that offensive line. He's going to solidify that right side of the line. And as long as he can stay healthy, he's my he's my choice for bounce back player of the year. I, I was going to go Kevin Austin. Uh, so you're looking at from like more of an injury, from an injury standpoint. Yep, from yeah. an injury yeah. standpoint that that he was going to be Very my fair. guy because I yep. if he stays healthy this whole year, I mean I, I think he's going to have a fantastic year, no question. So th- he he's my bounce back for sure. Uh, rookie of the rookie year. of the year. Yeah. That's an easy one. Yeah, that's an easy one. It's Blake Fisher, that's Blake right? Fisher. Yeah, yeah. It has to be. I mean, there's no other. There's no other freshman that is going to have the impact that Blake Fisher is going to have this year. I mean, it's right. It's a no brainer, right? I mean, if I wasn't yeah. going to go Blake, if we'd like said rookie of the year, not named Blake Fisher, I might go with a Logan Diggs. Um, I th- I think maybe he can make make a little bit of a name for himself, but he's not going to get as many opportunities, obviously as Blake Fisher. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, that's the easy one. And then last one's breakout, right? Yeah. Breakout star, breakout star for me. Uh, I, I think it's Kyron, I'm not Kyron Williams. Wow. It's Chris Tyree. Um, I, I think that he has every opportunity again. I don't think he's going to have the year that Kyron Williams has, but his step up, his, his, his leap forward is going to be such that he's going to break out and people are yeah. going to be talking about Chris Tyree. So he's he's mine. Mine is going to be Kevin Austin. Because Chris Tyree has more career yards at Notre Dame than Kevin Austin does. That's the wild thing. True. Uh, I believe Chris Tyree has more career yards than Braden Lindsay at Notre Dame on offense. So it's one of those two. Whoever yeah. stays the healthiest. <laughs> that's that's going to be it for me. I think I think one of those two guys can be can be that guy. And I think they need them to be that guy. And, and so when you look at breakout players, to me, I hope at the end of the day that we're arguing about it, Vince. I hope <laughs> we're arguing about who the breakout player is going to sure. be. 
Sure. I think if that's the if that's happening, like, oh no, it's just awesome. No, 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 it's 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 Lindsay. No, 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 no. You guys are both wrong. It's Lawrence Keys. Oh no, yeah. it's Chris Tyree. Right. If, if we're having that conversation, then yes, this is going to be a really fun offense, and and that's going to be the 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 key. Hey, Vince and I, and I'll say this: whose emergence? This is a little bit of a curveball because you weren't prepared. I didn't prepare okay. for this one. That's okay. Whose emergence this season? of a player that's not established at, at Notre Dame. So that includes – it means anyone not named Karen Williams, Michael Mayer, Avery Davis, or Jarrett Patterson. Who's emergence this season? I'm going to say this. I'm going to say Jack Cohn too. I'm going to take Jack Cohn out. Okay. okay. Who's emerged – because he has – he's been to the Rose Bowl, Big Ten, all that. Whose emergence is most important to Notre Dame's success this season? That is a really good question because I think you could go a couple of different ways – uh with this one uh i think you could make a case for kevin austin did you did you put him on the list of guys i can't take no because i mean he hasn't emerged the guy has yeah. six career catches. okay yeah he, it would be him for me uh yeah. because i think that he's the leader of this this wide receiver core um now could you if he got hurt would they still be okay yeah they'd be okay but i think he can keep this group in a dynamic standpoint i think he mm-hmm. can be the leader of this group i think he could be the alpha of the wide receivers um i i think he's really important to this offense achieving what they really can achieve. Uh, I think having four healthy is very, very important to that. So he, he would be the guy that I would pick for that. I'm going to go Braden Lindsay. Okay. That, that was, he the, was the, uh, right the there. reason I'm going to go Lindsay is because I think Lindsay's the one player that completely changes how you have to defend Notre Dame. Sure. If Braden Lindsay's playing to his potential, you cannot, you have to defend him like you did Will Fuller. Now, I'm not saying he's as good as Will Fuller, but if you, unless you just have a, a great lockdown cornerback, you can't, if Braden Lindsay's healthy and playing his potential, you can't ISO him. Plus, the way that Notre Dame used him in 2019, I think it's just touching the surface of how I think they're going to use him if he's healthy. We saw him score on screen. We saw him score in a jet sweep. We saw him score in sure. a reverse. We saw him score in a bomb. You know, he, he can score in any way. And when you have that kind of guy that can literally just run past the entire defense every single snap, it it changes how you have to defend people, and it makes everybody else better. Kevin Austin can make everybody else around him better by being that alpha that you have to shift the coverage to. But I think even more dangerous to the, than that is a guy that literally you have to back up three yards and, and, or your safeties have to kind of sit back and really make sure he's not running a go route or a post route before they can come play the run game. That's the difference between that safety coming down and hitting Kyron Williams at three yards and that safety trying to come down and hit him at five yards, which at that point in time, Kyron's making you miss or Chris is making you miss. So I think the guy's emergence who is most important, because here's the thing, Kevin Austin's emergence is important, but Braden Lindsay's changes everything. And I think that's going to be a big key for that. So no, I can see that. That's going to do it for this, this offensive evaluation portion. We're going to dive into some questions here coming up. Uh, there are some Vince. This is going to be this is going to be it for you. Uh, yep. We're going to dive into questions next. But Vince, you have anything any kind of parting words about this offense that you'd like to leave us before we uh, we jump into the questions? Well, I, I like I said, I'm looking forward to what this offense can do. I still have my concerns, as I mentioned. I do. I have concerns about you know a few items, but uh, I, I still think that this offense can be dynamic. I think this offense can score points, and I think it's going to be fun to watch this offense when it's all said and done. So. Uh, look, really looking forward to September 5th when we can actually see this offense unleashed a little bit, but I think it's only going to get better as they move forward. So, um, looking forward to talking defense tomorrow, Brian, and, Mm -hmm. uh, I will see everybody tomorrow at 1230.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.